When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. We are live on a Monday morning. Welcome to the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, joined for the first time in a long time by colleague and friend, Scott Martin. How you doing, bud? All things considered, I'm doing well. Still coping, but uh, happy to be back on the pod. Happy to talk some football. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, obviously last week was a sad week for all of us, a sad week for me. I had the article on standingroomspartans.com, if you haven't checked that out already, and then I recorded a podcast um, shortly after that where, you know, we got the news where the Big Ten canceled officially, and um, I was pretty dark, in a pretty dark place, but, you know, I've come to the realization that you know, it's just part of living in 2020, I guess. So we'll figure this thing out next year. I, I'm not really hopeful for any spring football. Maybe they'll put together a couple scrimmages or something. You know, I think at best we're looking at like two scrimmages against other teams, whether that's a Mac team or, you know, somebody comes into East Lansing and, and they get a scrimmage going on Big Ten Network. I don't know. But um, at this point, we're just kind of gearing up for 2021. But you know, I wanted to bring Scott back on and, and we wanted to talk today about, you know, basically the things that we were looking forward to watching in 2020. Um, we started it with, hey, let's uh, let's talk about the top five things. And then we basically in our in a text message thread rattled off like 15 things. We're like, yeah, we're going to need to go a little deeper. Um, so basically what we're doing is uh, the, the basically looking at every position group and mentioning the one thing about said position group that we were looking forward to. So whether it's a specific player, um, whether it's a new coach that comes in and, and how that impacts it. But that's kind of the plan for today. Uh, before we get going here, I wanted to, to bring up that we did bring in a recruit. Finally, we have a commitment. Alex Okilo is how we went with pronouncing it. A 6'6 defensive end out of Tennessee had offers from, let's see, Florida State, Nebraska, Tennessee, Ole Miss, uh, Louisville, Kentucky on there. So pretty impressive offer sheet. Um, Scott, I know we haven't had a lot of time here, but what do you think about the new uh, addition to the class here? Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. Obviously, like you said, we had quite a dry spell. Um, but this guy, I mean, I've seen a couple plays 
obviously he didn't have a lot of buzz. It's kind of came out of left field, but first, first impression, he's really long, extremely long arms. I don't know what his wingspan is, but um, new to football. I think I saw he's only played one season. So kind of one of those raw athletes uh, will obviously I'll have to put on some weight. He's sitting in the low two hundreds. It looks like around two fifteen right now. So we'll see what Mel can do. I'm sure with Mel's love for the weight room, uh, that number will change by the time he sees the field. But like I said, happy to have some momentum. Hopefully we can start reeling in some more. I know this weekend we had uh, a couple guys, out, a couple four stars out of New Jersey uh, on campus. So we'll be keeping an eye on them. But yeah, happy to have some, uh, some, some positive news after last week. Yeah, that's uh, Audric Estime, the running back, and Gino Vandemark, the offensive lineman out of New Jersey. And I was talking with Corey Robinson and and just trying to figure out, you know, what's the uh, what's the scoop on these guys. And it seems like there's a lot of momentum going our way. So if we can land a couple of those guys, and you know, it looks like we might end up putting together a class here, you know, one way or another. Yeah, turning a corner. It's exciting, and uh, I don't know. I don't know what the scholarship deal is. Obviously there's a sh- tons of uh, questions to be answered before, you know, the 2021 class gets on campus. But uh, like I said, turning a corner, getting some talent in. So, so we'll see. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll get this thing going before I do. I, I did ask uh, on Twitter, if anybody has any last minute questions here um, for the podcast and uh, our good buddy Marshall came and, and uh Man, he, he's caused me a lot of stress with this one today because he said, I'd like to hear each of your top three sitcoms of all time. And just off the top of my head, I rattled off about 15. I was like, man, I hate you. I, I can't bring this down to three. But uh, Scott, I'll let you go first because I think this is still just going to be a last second emotional decision for me. Um, what, what are your top three sitcoms of all time? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of honorable mentions. Uh, I, I actually switched it up since we spoke about this a few minutes ago. Ooh. But I think I'm going number three, that 70s show. I uh, haven't watched it in a long time. Classic. But, uh, classic, you know, watched that back in high school, obviously, a cult classic. Um, number two, I, I slotted in How I Met Your Mother. Um, again, haven't seen it in a while. I watched, you know, the last few seasons, you know, live on cable. So I uh, was up to date on that. But Loved that one when it was coming out. But number one is, and I think probably will always be The Office. Um, I don't think I need to rationalize that. I'm sure plenty of our viewers feel similarly. But uh, that's that's top three. Plenty of honorable mentions. Parks and Rec uh, was, was in my top three, but just dropped out last second. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's hear it, Kev. Yeah, some, some great choices out there. I, man, I've, I've switched this up like 15 times in my head. Uh, I'm going uh, number three, Californication. Uh, number three, Californication. Uh, Hank Moody uh, as Dan- uh, Danny Duchovny, I think his name is, playing Hank Moody. It was just incredible job there. Um, definitely not a PG show, so it's on <laughs> Netflix, I believe, but don't watch that with your kids, uh, but fantastic. Number two, I will go how I met your mother as well uh it's one of those that's it's it been on Netflix for a while now and I think I've watched all the way through beginning to end like four times um classic and I'm I'm already regretting one of these decisions number one I have to go with the office 
my my girlfriend for Christmas bought me the the box set of the DVDs so that I'm I'm I basically have Netflix insurance here so at any given time I can always put on the office it's so good um Man, I, I feel like I should uh, I should have put Scrubs in there. I Scrubs Ooh. was so good. That's a show that I think they need to put back on Netflix. Uh, Modern yeah. Family is one I'm watching right now. That's awesome. Parks and Rec is awesome. Community is a great show. Entourage is one that like it doesn't really age well. I I don't think, <laughs> but the first time through is awesome. I I went back and tried to rewatch early in the show. Yeah, I, I went back and tried to rewatch it recently, and it's just—I don't know—it's—it's it's something about the like super bro language that I just—I couldn't get past at this stage of my life. But when I watched it through the first time in college, great show. Rewatching it now, five years later, eh, it doesn't really hold up. Yeah, yeah, but uh, plenty to choose from. I mean, and. and I kind of mentioned, I think we missed out a little bit on the golden age of sitcoms when you had, you know, shows like Seinfeld, Will and Grace, Friends, Everybody Loves Raymond. I mean, that was really the the kickoff of, of the golden age of, of sitcoms. And I'll have to go through and watch them someday. But, uh, you know, it's always a time commitment. Yeah, Friends is my girlfriend's unquestioned number one of all time. Yeah, I've I've true. had to watch so many of those episodes over and over. It's a good show. Um, Seinfeld's great, but I, I've, I would say I've probably seen like 50% of it. So I, I wouldn't be comfortable putting it up there, but yeah, man, there's a lot of good options. It's, it's tough to narrow this one down, but, um, if, if you want to get a question on the podcast, anytime follow on Twitter at standing room MSU, you can ask, I, I usually put out a little tweet before we start recording. If there's any last minute questions, Obviously, it can be about Michigan State football or whatever the case may be. But, um, of course, you know, if you want to ask about, you know, tailgate drinks we've done before. Um, somebody asked me previously if I could live in any college football stadium, what would it be? Obviously, we did the top three sitcoms. So, um, you know, follow on Twitter, ask any of those questions. Also, if you haven't done so already, um, leave a review in the Apple podcast. It really helps me out with their algorithms, but also when you do, um, just leave a question on there. I'll make sure we put some time into answering that. I, I really value those reviews. So if you ask a question, I'll make sure we spend some time on it. Um, but let's, let's jump into to what we're really going to talk about here. Um, and like I said, that's, that's some of the things that we were looking forward to seeing in 2020. I guess if you want to look at it, the pessimistic title, the optimistic title being things we're looking forward to in 2021. Um, but we'll, we'll kind of go by position group here with the, we'll start with the quarterbacks. I, I figure let's just kind of get this one out of the way because, you know, it's, it's been talked about a lot. It's, you know, Sky, you mentioned before, like it's just basically beating a dead horse at this point, you know, the QB battle and, and who's going to, who's going to come out on top. Is it going to be, Rocky Lombardi with the experience is it going to be one of these two young guys that we haven't seen a whole lot from um I, I guess I'll ask it this way Scott like who were who did you want to who were you kind of rooting for in training camp to come out on top of this job well I know you feel similarly uh, it's hard to say without you know film on really anybody but Rocky but anyone but Rocky 
Uh, <laughs> obviously, Preach. Thorn are, you know, the trendy pick, I think, because you don't have film on them. There's been hype around them for, you know, since they committed, since they've been on campus. Um, yeah, I mean, Rocky, he had the great game against Purdue. You take that game out of his film, and it's just not – Good. inspiring in this <laughs> I mean when you you're, you're looking at a program in Michigan State who you know we're turning a corner just about in every corner of the, the program here looking to something new and something to be excited about and Rocky just seems like a stale safe but very low ceiling pick I don't even know if it's safe just a low ceiling pick um, and I mean that that's what I'd say I, I like bigger quarterbacks so I'd say probably Theo Day would be my number one you know he's got the size of a prototype you know pocket quarterback but a lot of it depends on uh, you know what kind of play calling we're going to see too are we are we trying to use the, the quarterback as a dual threat are we you know trying to sit in the pocket and throw it out of there I don't know but uh, yeah I, I know you probably have a similar answer but uh, anything but Rocky yeah, I mean, I've I've talked about this quite a bit on the podcast already, so I won't spend too much time on it. But I, I think Peyton Thorne, with his kind of dual threat athleticism, I think brings the highest ceiling. So that was a guy that I was hoping would be the one who kind of comes out of camp with a lot of momentum and the coaching staff believing in him. And, you know, obviously this is going back uh, too far and, and we didn't get to see any spring scrimmages or the spring game. Um, but that was a guy I was looking forward to seeing and, and you know, how, how he could really, with, with the modern college football of having a mobile quarterback that's able to move the chains and, and you're able to, to call a few different plays, that was kind of the guy I was eyeing. But, again, yeah, anybody but Rocky, and I think we were comfortable there. So, um, like I said, I don't want to spend too much time on that because it's it's been talked about, it's been discussed at length, and – we just have no new information on it. So, you know, I, I think, yeah, sure. We're looking forward to seeing who the quarterback's going to be and who's going to be playing the most important position in all the sports for our team. But, you know, we're just not going to be able to see that for another year. We'll figure it out. Hopefully this is something that we've talked about. Hopefully with this uh, cancellation, you know, we've been trying to rationalize ways that this might be good for us. Um, and one thing that I was thinking about is it, it does give our quarterbacks more time. And I guess every position group, but the quarterbacks, especially it gives more time with the playbook to really see what we're trying to do on offense. So maybe that levels the playing field a little bit for these young guys without any game experience. Cause you know, they all have a lot of time with this playbook to, to really see what Jay Johnson is trying to do. So I don't know, maybe that's just like the, the optimist in me trying to rationalize a way that this might actually be good. But uh, whatever the case may be, we'll, we'll figure it out next year and, and we'll roll the helmets out and see who's uh, starting at quarterback. But running back, uh, man, look, it's, it's Eli Collins' job. I think we all know that. I think the one thing, if you had to, you know, kind of put it into one topic, what the one thing I was most excited for was – can Eli Collins be the first 1,000 yard rusher since Jeremy Langford? He's obviously knocking on the door last year, and and you might think, well, it's easy. I mean, obviously he's going to get there because as a freshman he had what 900 something, and you know he's obviously going to to you know make that leap. But I mean, we've seen it recently with L.J. Scott. The the young production doesn't always translate, and. and 
LJ Scott had 700 yards his freshman year, 994 as a sophomore, and then it just never really got back to that same level. So um, I, we've seen it before that it doesn't pan out. Obviously, that that was what I was hoping for, though. Um, and, and with Jay Johnson coming in, I think it was a scheme that that's really going to fit Eli Collins's game pretty well. So um, with the running back group, obviously, Eli Collins is, you know, is there anything else you want to add on him or anything else that you were looking forward to seeing in this group? Yeah, I mean, when I look at this this running back room, obviously, like you said, Eli Collins is is the guy. He's the bell cow back. But, you know, how are what kind of roles are these other guys going to fit in? You've got Brandon Wright coming into his second year. He's got some size to him. He's the tallest running back on the roster. He was He's listed at 223. Who knows? in a Mel Tucker, um, you know, weight training program where he's at now. But uh, so, you know, he could be a power back. You've got some speed in Anthony Williams that we saw last year. And then you've got my favorite storyline coming out of this room, which is Connor Hayward. Um, he, you know, he's probably the best pass blocking running back. He's certainly the most experienced running back we have. And, you know, he's probably from what we've seen, the best receiving, you know, running back. Uh, catching the ball out of the backfield. So what kind of role is he going to have? He kind of put us through a little bit of a circus this offseason, put his name in the transfer portal. I don't know if he didn't get any bites or if he'd liked Mel Tucker coming in. Whatever the reason was, he took his name back out. He'll be there. He'll, he'll be, you know, experienced, and he'll be guiding a lot of these younger running backs because when you look past him, you really got all freshmen and sophomores um, who are really looking at getting any meaningful reps. So what kind of roles he going to play and what kind of role are all these guys going to play? It'll be interesting to see it play out. Yeah. Hayward, that was a weird situation. I, I think more than likely it's probably that he just wasn't liking the schools that were interested in him. Uh, you know, when he ended up entering the portal, I know we were talking uh, with TJ as well about, well, is he going to go to the Mac? Like, what's his, he definitely wasn't going to a good power five school. So I don't know, maybe he, he had an idea of what his value was and it turned out to be maybe a few Mac schools were interested and that was about it. And he said, well, uh, you know what, on second thought, you know, Hey, this new coaching staff, maybe I'll like them better. I don't know. While we're talking about Hayward, I'd just like to throw it out there that if anybody's listening, who is one of these Connor Hayward at tight end, um, believers, uh, just stop now, please. That he's six That's feet tall. He's a running back. If anything, he's a fullback, and he's going to line up in front of uh, Eli Collins to bruise some linebackers. But please, please, let's kill that rumor. <laughs> I've seen, man. I I love Twitter for a lot of reasons. I've seen, not even like if if I were to move Rocky Lombardi to any position, I would think tight end would probably be the most logical. Yep. But I legitimately have seen somebody saying to move Rocky Lombardi to wide receiver. I'm like, what? <laughs> what's going on, guys? What what are we doing here? Oh God. Hey, anything's possible. You never know. New coaches, new program. You never know. In the immortal words of Kevin Garnett, anything is possible. Um, so wide receivers. Now, this was a, a position group that has a lot of young talent. It's got Jaden Reed coming in from Western Michigan. Um, and, and we're losing our two most productive guys over the course of the last couple of years in Cody White and Daryl Stewart. Uh, but I, I think I can speak for most fans in saying that 
it, it is kind of a weird situation because we are losing our top two guys, but also most of us feel pretty confident with what we have waiting in the wings. So um, between whether it's Trey Mosley, Jalen Naylor, Jaden Reed coming in from Western, um, I think probably that's going to be the starting three, I guess. Um, CJ Hayes got a lot of, uh, a lot of reps last year. You have Lares Nelson, who's always kind of flying under the radar, getting a few catches here and there. Um, Julian Barnett was listed on the preseason roster as a corner. So I think we can kind of take his name out of the wide receiver group for now, you know, maybe, the coaching staff decides to to play in both ways or something. But at this point, I think it's safe to say he's just a corner. Um, you know, what, which of these guys were you most excited to see if, if it was one guy or, or what, what stood out in that group? Yeah. I mean, this position group definitely excites me the most of any, of any position group on the, you know, on the team. I mean, there's just a ton of untapped potential. You can see it. You could see it last year, even the year before with some of these guys that are now juniors. But you've got Jaden Reed, who was a freshman All-American at a Mac school, which, you know, I mean, the Big Ten's a whole other animal, but that is a huge accomplishment anywhere. Um, you know, Jalen Naylor, we've been itching to really see him break out. Can he avoid injury? If he avoids injury, you know, will he be who we think he is? I mean, I don't want to make comparisons to like Tyreek Hill, but kind of that, that role, you know, the speedster in the slot, um, smaller guy, extreme level of athleticism, um, which I know you've spoken on the Wake Forest game. So if anybody wants to see that in action, go back and watch his highlights from that game. But, you know, one guy, just a quick call out that doesn't get talked about a lot. Uh, Javez Alexander, redshirt sophomore this year, got a couple touches last year, didn't see the field too much, but this is a guy who finished, you know, third in uh, Mr. Football in Ohio his senior year, uh, the number three rated all-purpose athlete out of Ohio in his recruiting class. So, um, you know, it's a really young but also really deep position group, which, you know, there's just going to be a ton to watch. Every, every pass play, every snap, keep your eye on this position group and let's see how it shakes out because I think you could ask 10 different people and have 10 different answers as to who the top three to five wide receivers on this roster are. Yeah, Jalen Naylor I love, but, you know, let's be honest, he's played 10 games in two seasons, so that's somebody you don't like to count on for production. Um, Trey Mosley, I think, is definitely a guy you're excited about after the last half of the season, you know, basically the last two games with Maryland and uh, Wake Forest, his two best games of the season. So, you know, he was a guy where the arrow was definitely pointing up. Um, Jaden Reed, you mentioned there, a freshman All-American. He put up, you know, over 100 yards in week one against the only Power 5 team they played in Syracuse. So uh, the talent definitely pops there. And I think, you know, if I had to pick one guy that I was the most excited to watch, it would probably be Jaden Reed just because we haven't seen him in in a Power 5 setting. So, you know, especially now we, we have to wait two years as uh as fans to see Jaden Reed play in East Lansing sit I mean it feels like it you know five years ago that we got the announcement that hey we got this transferred wide receiver from Western you know this could be exciting and he's gonna have to wait two full seasons to actually suit up which is crazy to think about but uh I think if I had to pick one wide receiver that I was excited to see that would probably be the guy one more guy that I just want to call out real quick, just because of the uniqueness of what he brings is Trayvon Morgan, 
I mean, yep. I know some photos of him were bouncing around on Instagram, you know, on the MSU Instagram and everything. But, um, you know, 6'6", six, six obviously sticks out from any roster um, at wide receiver. And red zone threats, red zone targets have been an issue for this football program for the last couple of years. We didn't have – first of all, we didn't have a tight end, which is obviously where you look first, you know, in the red zone. Right. Uh, since Josiah Price, we didn't really have a guy that we were comfortable with giving those looks to in the red zone. Uh, but, I mean, 6'6", six, six, if he can jump a little bit and he has decent hands, he's going to get looks in the red zone. So keep an eye on him for some, you know, for some scoring on maybe some smaller – teams with smaller DBs, uh, maybe gets lined up on a free safety or something inside. But uh, be interesting to see. Yeah, we saw the impact of, uh, you know, Felton Davis over a few years and, you know, just that red big, what was he, 6'4", or something like that. I mean, he felt like he was a touchdown, a game kind of guy for a couple right. of years. They have that mossing ability. <laughs> He'll go up, grab the ball right out from in front of the face of the dude standing in front of you. Doesn't he, matter how good the He was fun is. to watch with the dreads flying. And yeah. man, I, I do miss Felton around it. And I, I, the last I heard, he was waived by Kansas City. I, I don't know yep. what's going on with him, but hope he gets a shot after that just devastating knee uh, injury. Yeah, um, that was brutal. I mean, I was in uh, Happy Valley for that game was it 2017 when yeah. uh, he scored that last second touchdown in happy Valley in that place, you could hear a pin drop, which, you know, is obviously unheard of in, a, in an environment like that. So obviously, hopefully we can find another guy who can play that role. Um, he, he had a good amount of athleticism as well for his height. So we'll see if anybody can, can marry those two on this roster as well. But, uh, but yeah, good luck to Felton. Uh, if by chance you stumble on this, uh, keep hustling. <laughs> We're rooting for you, kid, you know. Uh, but no, it's, it is an exciting position group. I, I think it's safe to say it's one of the most exciting on the roster, especially, I mean, you talk about Ricky White coming in as an incoming freshman. He's probably the best player in this class, um, according to a few services. I, I still think Darius Snow is a guy I'd probably put um, from what I've seen, but you know, Ricky White was a, a pretty heralded recruit coming out of Georgia. So uh, another young wide receiver to kind of look out for. I and didn't Terry think Lockett. there was Terry coming Lockett as well. Yeah, Minnehaha Academy up in uh, Minneapolis. So yeah, I mean, it's it's through and through. Just a really exciting, uh, really young and talented group. So hopefully, we can find somebody who knows how to get the ball to them. Yeah, and I'm interested to see, you know, this is another topic for another time, but with so many young, talented guys with a lot of offers to, the, to their name, um, it, it's going to be interested to see if we can hang on to these guys with the, you know, transfer portal world that we're living in. But um, again, another topic for another time. Good problem to have when you have too many talented receivers that you're worried about some of them uh, trying to get out the door. Yep. So uh, you kind of mentioned there with the, the red zone, and it's a good transition to talk about the tight ends, uh, where you mentioned we haven't really had any production over the last few years, really since Josiah Price. So um, this year we have Matt Seibert's gone. So it's, it comes down to Matt Dotson and Trent Gillison, uh, two guys that we've seen a little bit of, but I, I think both have a lot of untapped potential uh, with – I guess the, the flashes that we've seen, I mean, Dotson, you go back a couple years now to that Indiana game where he made that leaping catch in the back of the end zone. And, and I was excited for the kid, but he's missed games each of the last 
three seasons, I guess, um, you know, freshman year, sophomore year, he played eight games, junior year, he played seven games. So, you know, we're going to talk about this offensive line in a second, but Gil or Dotson, a guy with some potential, but just never really could stay on the field, never could figure that thing out. And, and Gillison, a guy who's shown flashes, but maybe it doesn't have the consistency at this stage to put it all together. But um, with the tight end group here, like what, what stands out to you? What were you really looking forward to watching here this season? Yeah, to me, I mean, this is a wide open group. And if, if we're going to move more to a spread offense, you know, with three wide receivers on a lot of downs, you're looking at, at most probably one tight end on most first and second downs. Um, so Dotson, like you said, probably a little bit too much Matt Sokol running through his veins. Um, just never put the pieces together, showed flashes, like you said, but never came together. Trent Gillison, I think it's, it's his job. I'm not, I'm not going to say it's his job to lose because Dotson's the senior, but it's his job to win. I mean, he's, he's the athlete of the two. Um, and he, like you said, he showed flashes. He had the longest offensive play for Michigan state last year, 64 yard catch against Wake Forest in the, the bowl game. Um, so, you know, he's got great size, good amount of athleticism. Um, I I'm really excited to see if he can come, you know, come into his own this season and become a, a consistent, uh, threat, even if he's just a possession guy for these young inexperienced quarterbacks to dump it down to when they need to. But you know, there's some youth there too. I'm not going to comment on it too much because I haven't, you know, watched a lot of their film. But you got Tommy Guajardo coming in. He's a freshman. Maybe he'll redshirt. Maybe he won't. But there was some excitement about that um, commitment when we got it. Parks Gissinger, Max Rosenthal has been around a couple of years, probably more of a blocking back. He's a little bit bigger, a little bit shorter. Um, so probably won't see too many exciting plays from him. And there's a couple other guys, Adam Berghorst coming into his second year, probably looking to make a splash a little bit. But I really do think it's between Dotson and Gillison for touches this year. Um, and I, I'll be keeping my eye on Gillison. Yeah. It's a position that offensive coordinator, Jay Johnson, who we'll talk about towards the end of the podcast. Um, it's a position that, you know, he's mentioned is super important in that Colorado offense last year, you watch it and, and it makes a lot of sense with the way that they use their tight ends. You have Ted Gilmore coming in as a tight ends coach. He's basically, coached wide receivers for most of his career so you know I don't know what that does for the development of some of these guys as pass catchers um, it's really interesting you know he was um, coaching the wide receivers at Wisconsin the last few years he was coaching at USC the wide receivers there um, at Nebraska before then so um, with basically a wide receiver coach coaching up your tight ends now um, hopefully that leads to some better technique and pass catching and, you know, can help a guy like Matt Dodson progress. And um, I think it's an important note there because, you know, we talked about the wide receivers. You have a guy like Courtney Hawkins, who's never coached in college football before. And it's a big unknown, but um, Ted Gilmore is a guy who's been around as a wide receivers coach. So it's a little different for him. And we'll see how that can translate and, you know, how he can keep developing these guys and um, kind of using that to, transition to the offensive line where Chris Kapilovich, Kapelovich, however we pronounce his name, I've heard it pronounced about 50 different times. Um, he comes in as the offensive line coach and, and we have, you know, a lot of different pieces to look at on this offensive line. So what was it that you were really looking forward in that group? I think it's probably, 
a common refrain in MSU circles right now to say, you know, I'm excited to see these younger uh, second year linemen coming into their own, seeing what kind of effect they can have. Uh, you've got Spencer Brown, redshirted last year, great size as a tackle, but can play across the line. Nick Samak, 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 however you say that, again, <laughs> not sure, but um, showed potential, got a few snaps, did not redshirt last year. He was uh, getting some serious time last year, so should have some experience in his back pocket. Could use, you know, a little bit more size, but we'll see how he comes out this year. Um, and then, you know, the guy that everybody's been waiting to see really getting touches is Devontae Dobbs. Uh, there was talk of him playing through last year. He did end up redshirting, but, uh, you know, it's a guy that could be a potential multiple-year starter in multiple spots on our line. Hopefully, I, I'd like to see him as a tackle, but um, I know he can move inside the guard as well. Um, but on top of that, I mean, we were talking about this a little bit when we started. You've got really a solid one first and second line uh five guys in here and you've got experienced guys to fill the gaps if the youngsters aren't ready yet guys like Jordan Reed uh who we don't really know but he's a senior you know he should be able to hold his own AJR Curry Musta Khalifa I mean um Isaiah you know guys across the line who can really step in Matt Allen's in his senior year and obviously he's got the pedigree to be a leader this year so I think this combined with a solid running back stable should provide a basis for the offense. If these quarterbacks don't come out of the gate looking really strong, we can rely on that running game in this offensive line and hopefully uh, at least have a respectable offense this year. Yeah. And, and by basically all the metrics, Kapilovich, you know, he's a great offensive line coach and, and the transitions he's made and um, just seeing the the production changes from, you know, the year before he got there to his first year in a program. So I, I was excited to see that impact. Um, and, and I was definitely excited to see some of these younger guys start to get more reps. And, you know, Spencer Brown's a guy at tackle who was, you know, has a basketball background. I think he came into Wald Lake Western as a wide receiver. And, and like he played varsity football as a wide receiver. And then he just started putting on weight like crazy. Um, so he was a guy I was really excited to see as just a pure athlete out on the tackle spot. Devontae Dobbs, obviously. You know, some of these young guys that I was just really excited to see get some playing time. Um, after last year, we had all the injuries, and some of these guys just didn't get as much of a look as I was expecting. Dobbs, he started, I think, the Michigan game, um, but didn't play the full game. I think he only played like 45 snaps in that game, so... Um, I was just really interested to see which of these young guys were really coming out strong going into their second or third seasons and, you know, how that was going to continue to progress under a new offensive coordinator, a new offensive line coach, and which of these guys can hopefully get us back to an offensive line that's similar to what we saw in, you know, 2007 to 2000 and you know, 15, really, we had good offensive lines. And that was a reason that we were running the football so effectively. Um, and, and I think it's a big reason why we took we took the step back as a program that we did from 16, 17, 18, 19. So um, any last notes on the offensive line there before we move on to the defensive side of the ball? No, I mean, I just reiterate what you said about, you know, Kapilovich, I think they call him Coach Cap. Um, he's, you know, Obviously, we haven't seen film of what he's going to do at Michigan State. He hasn't talked much about the scheme, which obviously nobody's doing much of. But um, by all accounts, he's been a really successful 
um, coach at that position. I mean, I think he was last at UNC, who was just absolutely horrid uh, in the previous, you know, the previous tenure before he came in. And then he, he put a couple guys into the NFL at obviously not a traditional football school at, at North Carolina. So hopefully he can continue that for us. Um, he's got plenty of young talent to work with. So excited to see it. Boom. And so let's, uh, let's go over to the defensive side of the ball uh, where we'll start with the defensive line. And that's a group that I, especially once Jacob Panishuk decided to opt out, I was really interested to see what we were going to come out with. But even before then, where we just don't have a lot of experience coming back and Ron Burton returns to coach that group up and Panishuk's a returning starter, Naquan Jones, uh, is a guy who's gotten a lot of snaps over the last few years, but hasn't had to be relied on as a full-time starter. And I've, I've mentioned kind of concerns about his conditioning and is he ready for a full snap count? Um, but you know, that defensive line group is, is really interesting. What, what are some things that stand out for you along that front? Yeah. I mean, obviously the story is what kind of anchor will Naquan Jones be? He's showed flashes. Uh, coming off the bench spelling Williams and Panashuk last year, but now this is really his line, almost his defense, him and Antoine Simmons. So that's obviously where most eyes are going to be, but at the same time, defensive tackles sometimes are not the most impactful. You know, they they plug the holes, they stop the runs, they get in, they get in the way, but, you know, he's not necessarily going to be the guy providing the highlights. So I'm really looking at these defensive ends like you said, with Panashuk stepping aside for this, if there is a season, you know, quote unquote, this season, um, who's going to fill those voids? I know Jack Camper's been getting reps the last couple of years and has been coming along, Drew Beasley as well, but neither of those guys have really shown that they're going to be the guy, you know, the next Shalit Calhoun or, you know, somebody like that. But, you know, one guy that the name's really been getting um, tossed around quite a bit is uh, well, Zach Slade as well. So he's, he's going to get some reps uh, coming in, but Michael Fletcher. So this is a name that's been bouncing around quite a bit. He's a redshirt freshman this year. Uh, I think he played a bit last year, had a couple good plays, but they did end up redshirting him. So uh, really athletic, uh, really great size and length as well. So number one defensive end prospect in Michigan in his class and uh, one of the best overall players, top 10 player in his class in the state of Michigan. So um what's he going to do in his first full season? Is he going to be able to fill that void? And if we do have a season, might he be that number one defensive end uh, as the season progresses? I think he should, he has the most potential and he's one of those big guys with a low number. He's number five, which, uh, you know, I always have <laughs> a soft that. spot in my heart. So we'll see what he can do. Yeah. He was a guy I was really excited for, uh, you know, his offer sheet. I remember when we signed him, he had, Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, you know, some big schools were after this kid. So uh, really was interested, especially, you know, like I, I was interested in this defensive line group. And then when Panishuk was decided to opt out of the season or red shirt, I guess, you know, is what we, he called it. Um, it. It really brought this conversation to the forefront of my head where like, wow, we really don't have a lot of experience at this defensive end spot. The, the D tackles, Slade has played quite a bit. Naquan Jones has played quite a bit. I'm, I'm not as worried there, but the defensive ends besides, or beside Panishuk is, is a, it's a barren wasteland there. So 
I was really hoping Fletcher with his athletic ability could really stand out. Uh, Beasley is a guy who I, I tried to kind of keep an eye on. I was watching the pinstripe bowl. He got quite a few reps, you know, the, the bowl games, the coaching staff, they're always trying to get some of these young guys involved, especially with a, a game like the pinstripe bowl where you want to win the game, of course, but it, it's more of a program game and, and a way to get some of these younger guys snaps again. Um, it, it's not as important for the rest of the season, but um, that, that I think is a fascinating development of, of which of these defensive ends are going to step up and, and we'll see. I, I don't know what's going on with eligibility. I know Panishuk, he played as a, as a true freshman. So he has a red shirt in his back pocket. It sounds like he'll be back in 2021, regardless of, of any of the decisions by the big 10 or the NCAA, whoever is in control of that. But um, beside him, man, I, I don't know what we have. So hopefully Fletcher can emerge. Hopefully Beasley can progress. I don't know, but um, the defensive tackles, like I said, I, I think I love Naquan Jones, but I, I just don't think there's as excitement or as a compelling as a group there. And the linebackers, that's a, an interesting story because Antoine Simmons is one of the best returning players in the Big Ten Conference. I, I know he's basically, you know, a second team, third team, all Big Ten preseason by, by basically every publication. Um, guy I was really excited to see going into his last year. He put out a lot of great tape last year. Some NFL draft guys are starting to, you know, whisper his name around. And uh, But besides him, you know, we, we lose Tyreek Thompson. We lose uh, Joe Bocci from last year. And, and I don't really know what we have. I wasn't really as excited about what we saw from uh, Noah Harvey as a lot of people were. I, I've heard a lot of people on Twitter. I've seen a lot of people talking about, well, his last few games, man, he, he was really impressive. I, I didn't see that. I, I think he really struggled. I, I think there was a lot of plays that he just couldn't find the ball, that he couldn't get off a block. So he's going to need a lot of work. Uh, Chase Klein's a guy that's been mentioned. Devin Hightower's an incoming freshman, I think had a real shot at some playing time because of the vacant spots there. Um, but obviously Antoine Simmons is coming back. I think he had a shot to be a first team, all big 10 type player, but beside him, I don't really know what we have in that group. So with the linebackers, did anything really stand out for you? Yeah. I mean, a lot of this revolves around, and I know we'll get into coaching in a minute here, but a lot of this revolves around the kind of scheme. Are we going to be playing a four, three with three traditional linebackers? Are we going to be playing more nickel? Are we going to play a four, three where you need almost you know, four linebackers out there. But as far as names, I mean, Jez Lord Boateng's a guy who got reps last year. He's, he'll be a redshirt sophomore this year. Um, he's, he's plenty young enough to kind of build a defense around. And, and he had some flashes, uh, but he'll need to progress, obviously, if he's going to be, uh, you know, a, a massive every down contributor uh, this season. Another guy coming in as a freshman, a couple actually, you mentioned Devin Hightower. I think he shows the most potential in the freshman class of linebackers. But Watch out for uh, Cal Halliday coming out of South uh, Columbia High School in Pennsylvania. So he's a hard-hitting, smaller guy. He's only listed at 205, um, but he's got a lot of speed. He hits really hard and could play almost like a Viper position if you follow Michigan football, uh, like a Jabril Peppers-esque, you know, smaller linebacker safety slot corner hybrid. Uh, we'll see what he can do. I think he'll need a year or two to, uh, you know, kind of get his feet under him in a big-time 
level, but uh, keep an eye out for him as the next season and a half, if you will, progress. Uh, could start to see his name flash across the, uh, the TV screen a couple times. But I do think this group is the biggest question mark of, every, of all the position groups on the team. Like you said, outside Antoine Simmons, it's pretty much two jobs-ish up for grabs and no clear front runners. So, um, and, and traditionally this has been, you know, the, the foundation of MSU defenses and on that note, MSU football as a whole. So we're really going to have to see those, these, some of these guys progress and fill these gaps. Yeah, and, and Ross Ells, the linebackers coach, has is, is got a big task in front of him to try to find some of these guys and develop some of this young talent. So we'll, we'll see what really happens out of that group next year. Um, again, maybe with some more time, and, and Scotty Hazleton's a guy I know is going to bring a cover three defense, but you know, like you said, I don't know if they're going with a, a base four three. I don't know if he played mostly two linebackers all of last year at Kansas State. Was that a product of just playing in the Big 12 and, and totally different offenses that you're going to see in the Big 10? I don't know. But um, defensive backs, now we, we get back, you know, we, we've talked about a couple of these coaches. I, I think the one that most of us are the most excited for is getting Harlan Barnett back. Uh, he, he spent a couple of years down at Florida State. He's back to coach up these, these corners. Uh, you have uh, Matt, Mike Tressel is coaching the safeties. So basically we have two DB coaches um, and, and both of them with a ton of experience on the defensive side of the ball and, and a ton of, you know, just really good defenses that they've coached. So the defensive backs that we've talked about a few different storylines here to follow, but you know, what's, I, I guess if you had to pick one, what's the one you're trying to follow going into to next year now? So I'd be inclined to say cornerbacks. Um, we've, we've struggled a little bit. We've got Julian Barnett coming back to the other side of the ball. But, you know, given the coaching pedigree of Harlan Barnett, I think we'll be okay with guys like Barnett, uh, Julian Barnett, that is, and Kalen Gervin, Shakur Brown. You know, we should be okay at corner. There's going to be some young guys who have to fill in the depth. But those first two, I think, with Gervin and hopefully Barnett can be, you know, on the other side of the ball, we should be okay. What makes me nervous is the free safety situation. We really don't have a thoroughbred free safety on the roster. Um, you've got options. Xavier Henderson's obviously starting strong safety. No concerns there. I think he'll have a great year. Uh, but when you look at the other side, I know Trey Person's been talked about as the starting free safety, but he's listed at 167. I mean, if you're trying to be the hardest hitter on the team at free safety at 167, that's a tall order. You got Darius Snow coming in as a freshman. Is he going to be able to play off the bat? I mean, safety, you know, you got to be able to read the field really well and stay on top of the game. So I'm nervous about that second safety. I don't know who the name will be that emerges, um, but I'll certainly have my eye on that position as if we get a season as it progresses. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. Uh, Xavier Henderson's a bona fide starter. We know that, but He's more of that, you know, roaming the field in the box. He, he's lining up against, you know, people in the nickel and the slot. And um, just looking for that free safety is going to be really interesting. But for me, man, it comes down to this corner group because it's, it's a position that we've seen time and time again. We've had some great football players. I mean, I go all the way back to D'Antonio, the beginning of D'Antonio's era with Johnny Adams was a phenomenal player. Then obviously you have Darquez Denard, you have Trey Waynes, 
You have Josiah Scott, who who was awesome for the last couple of years when he was healthy. Who's going to really fill out that room this year? We we mentioned Julian Barnett's going back to the other side of the ball. He's he's playing defense again. It sounds like um, Kalon Gervin is a guy that I think a lot of us are excited to watch. He had a silly offer list. It was you know basically everybody in the country. He was a, a top 200 national player, number two player in Michigan coming out in his class. Um, so when you put a talent like that, you know, hopefully he can figure it out. Julian Barnett again, you know, 6'2", the great frame. He was a borderline top 50 player in the country. Um, and then Shakur Brown, a guy who's gotten a lot of snaps last year, um, definitely didn't have the recruiting prowess that the other two guys have had. But you know, when you're looking at it right now, he's got the edge and the experience side. So um, which of these two guys really emerge as the starting two? Is there one of those three that they kind of tag as, you know, hey, you're our slot nickel corner for um, sub packages. Uh, you know, when you're playing against an Ohio State, that becomes super important. When you're playing against a Northwestern, the way they like to run up tempo, that becomes really important. So um, I, I think the cornerback group is just something that I'm really fascinated going into whenever the hell we play football again, because there's a lot of talent, uh, but there's not a lot of experience. So uh, I'm really interested to see who emerges out of that group of the DBs. Um, yeah, one more, uh, yeah. one more name to keep an eye on when we look at cornerbacks uh, may not be a huge contributor as a freshman, but Angelo Gross is a guy coming in with a lot of accolades. He was ranked the number one corner by 247 in the state of Ohio last class, number two on rivals, runner-up Mr. Ohio in the talent-rich state of Ohio um, in his class. And, you know, like I said, he's a freshman. And corners a notoriously challenging position to make the transition to the next level, whether that's high school to college or college to pro. So maybe a special teams guy, gunner, return man, may redshirt, we'll see. But you know, as, like I said, the next season and a half, whatever we get here progresses, uh, keep an eye out for him to climb up that depth chart and start making an impact. Yeah, man, these young guys are definitely going to have a better chance at playing time than they ever have in the past, their first season, right? So I'm interested to see which of these guys kind of emerges after a full year in the program and and can make an impact right away. Um I'll just kind of breeze through it. I'm a special teams guy, so I want to make sure I at least hit on it. Um, is, is there anything, whether it's kicking, punting, the return game, is there anything that you're interested in watching there? Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're going to force me to talk special teams, I'll uh, I'll entertain it. I think, <laughs> I mean, kickers are kickers. Um, I'm sure you'll despise that comment. But as far as the punters, you know, that's – if you can really – you know, say this, it's been an important position, a highly valued position at Michigan State under D'Antonio. Who knows what it'll look like under uh, Mel Tucker, but a guy I'm excited to see is Mitchell Crawford. Uh, I think the first Australian punter that Michigan State has ever had on their uh, on their roster. He's actually transferring in. I think he was at UTEP. Uh, he's a grad transfer. So, I'm not sure he'll be the starting punter, but if he is, it'll be interesting to see how his uh, Australian game transitions into an MSU uh, scheme, if you will, uh, as we're typically pocket punters. You know, we don't typically do the rollout style. So we'll see uh, what that looks like if he's the one getting the reps. But um, yeah, special teams, I mean, return, if, if return men are, are considered special teams to you, I'm excited. No I hope it's Jalen Naylor. 
Um, but we've got plenty of good young talent I'd love to see getting reps at return, uh, hopefully making something exciting and not fair catching 99.5% of everything that comes their way, which is was the motto under D'Antonio. You know, I'm, I'm going to miss me some Brandon Sowards at the end of the day. Okay, we should just stop. <laughs> no, I, I've been clamoring for, you know, an impact back there for a long time. Uh, but yeah, I just I just kind of wanted to mention it. Matt Coughlin is a guy at, at kicker. I think he's he's a pretty steady player. I, I you know yeah. I can't imagine that there's going to be a lot of fluctuation there. He's he's a good Big Ten kicker. I, I don't think you know there's a lot to be said about that because he's been our kicker for a long time now. We've seen him. Um, but punter's an interesting spot because you know you go back to you know Brandon Fields and then it was. Um, I'm blanking on names here, but we basically had four year punters every year, obviously. Um, you know, you, you have a lot of these guys, right. And and so when you have to make that transition to the next punter, it's always interesting to see who steps up. I've seen Tyler hunt as a name that, that maybe is, is going to be in line for that job. Um, I would love to see one of these Australian kids, you know, get a shot. You mentioned Mitchell Crawford. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what, what they do with that spot. And then at the return, I think Jaden Reed's a guy coming in from Western Michigan who has a lot of return experience. Um, I think he had a kick return touchdown at Western Michigan his yeah. freshman year. Jalen Naylor is a guy who, who brings a lot of excitement with the ball in his hands. So I think there are definitely some good options returning this year with with Brandon Sowards finally finishing his 18th year in East Lansing as the fair catch specialist uh, for Mark D'Antonio so I uh, just wanted to mention that now um, I'll kind of do this because we we talked about the coaching staff a little bit and you know if you go way back in the in the back catalog my first couple of episodes I, I really broke down in depth Jay Johnson Scotty Hazelton their schemes and what they're trying to run, uh, their history and, and what they've done before coming to East Lansing. Um, so I, I'll kind of frame it to you this way. I mean, there was a lot of coaching turnover going into this year and a lot of new guys that are brought in. Um, was there any one hire that stood out to you as, as really good or really bad? Um, or what really was the one thing that you were keying on from a new coaching staff and seeing, you know, I, I want to see how this guy changes our team, you know, in 2020. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's a lot to digest and break down. Obviously you've got new coaches on both sides of the ball. I think Scotty Hazleton really excites me, but I think our defense will be fine under him. We also, we talked about this a little bit before we got on here. We have essentially, a top 10 defensive coordinator in our back pocket as well. Um, you know, obviously with our, our safeties coach and uh, he, he led MSU defense to multiple top 10 defenses while he was um, leading it. So I think defense will be okay. I know you're high on Scotty Hazleton. I'll let you go over him, but the guy that really sticks out to me is Chris Kapilovich um, coming over from UNC as our offensive line coach and quote unquote running game coordinator. Um, and I think with the, the mix of experienced guys and young talent um, that he'll be coaching uh, on the offensive line, I think it should give us a solid foundation. It should give our quarterbacks, you know, enough protection to get their bearings and us to get a good look at who we want to kind of, you know, stake our program around going forward and, and give this, you know, this nice stable of running backs some good, um, you know, some good lanes to run through. So 
I'm really excited to see what they can do. The passing game is going to be a big question mark going into this year. So I think that hire of Chris Kapilovich is really going to help us get the running game moving and get the offense moving in these first few games in this first season of, you know, the new Mel Tucker era. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We kind of brought up Mike Trussell before we started uh, recording and just talking about, man, it's got to be kind of frustrating for him. He's been coaching for a while. He's been at Michigan state for, for quite some time. I think like 15 years now, um, where he's been a part of some great defenses and finally got his turn as the defensive coordinator and, and by all accounts did a great job. And, and now Mel Tucker comes in. He wants to get his guys in the building. And, and Scotty Hazleton, obviously not one that he brought over from Colorado, but um, somebody that he was clearly intent on bringing in. So Mike Trussell basically gets demoted into new staff to the safeties coach. Um, I'm really interested to see what happens with him over the next couple of years, uh, whether he decides to jump ship, because I really think the guy does deserve a power five defensive coordinator job over with the way that he's dealt with the past couple of years. So I'm interested to see what happens there. But like you said, it's, you know, those defensive coaching meetings have a lot of great minds between Mike Trussell, Scotty Hazleton, and then you bring in Harlem Barnett. Ross Ells, the linebacker coach, a guy who's been coaching football for 30 years, Ron Burton at the defensive line, and then Mel Tucker, obviously, as a head coach that has been coaching defense his entire career in the NFL, a high-level college like Georgia and Alabama. So, man, those defensive meetings have got to have a lot of ideas and a lot of great minds, a lot of football minds that you know, are coming together. So I'm really interested to see what they come up with. I mean, Scotty Hazleton's a guy we know is going to run a cover three, but you know, what formation does that mean? Are we in sub packages often with, you know, a nickel corner in there and two linebackers? Are, are we, you know, really going with more of the base defense with the base four, three for most of our snaps, like D'Antonio has been doing the last few years. I don't know, but um, that's going to be fascinating. Jay Johnson, obviously, as offensive coordinator, is going to bring in a whole new scheme. Um, you know, by all accounts, it's going to be a little more up-tempo. Uh, they, they rely on – it's basically they call it like a power spread where you're running three wide receivers out there, but you're running a lot of power concepts in the running game and and really trying to establish the run and, and a lot of play action. So interested to see what happens there. Um, and then the rest of the hires, I, I think, are all at least intriguing, you know, especially you look at Courtney Hawkins. I, I think that's a guy that will see an impact more on the recruiting side of things than on the field. But, you know, he was a guy who played in the NFL at wide receiver for a long time. So he's got a lot of experience to share with these young players. Um, but, man, it's a really interesting staff that Mel Tucker has put together. And, you know, all things considered, I've talked about the Jay Johnson hire before. I don't love it. I don't hate it, but I certainly don't love it. Um, but that's really the only hire that I look at and say, man, I think we, we could have found something better out there. But, of course, given the circumstances and the timing of the hire and everything, I, I think we did a pretty damn good job putting the staff together. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, it's exciting. And, and Jay Johnson, I don't think it's necessarily that we're not excited. I think it's just a lot falls on his shoulders and he's 
he hasn't really shown anywhere that he's the innovative guy, right? He's, he's running some hybrids of concepts that have been around a long time. He's not really bringing anything to film that guys haven't game planned around before. So he's not going to be, you know, the Andy Reed who's showing you something new every, every game um, and keeping everybody on their toes. But if he can teach execution and he can ex- execute these concepts well, uh, or, as, or as players can, obviously, you know, they've been around for a long time for a reason because they work when they're done well. So, you know, it, it comes down to how he, how he executes. But, you know, overall, I think, like you said, this coaching staff, given the hand that was dealt, um, it came around really nicely. I think Mel Tucker's enthusiasm on the recruiting trail is going to pay dividends. And now he's basically given a year and a half uh, off season to bring, you know, his first two classes together where he can basically solely focus on, not solely, but really put time into the recruiting trail and bring guys in. And we've already seen that pay dividends to an extent earlier this off season, and hopefully we'll be getting some momentum again. But I think all things considered, like you said, this coaching staff gives us a lot to be excited about. And I think we'll keep a lot of the fundamentals uh, around the program that, that built it into the program that had the success that we did in the mid, you know, 20 teens. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to see similar days ahead. Yeah. And um, again, you know, I really don't think that we'll get any spring football in the sense that they're trying to uh, talk up uh, through the big 10 and everything. I I think we, we kind of saw it with Nebraska trying to leave Um, from what I've been hearing. It it really sounds like the big 10 used the language postponed and not canceled for a very specific reason. And that was basically so, that if any team does try to leave, that they can sue the hell out of them and, and try not to give them their share of the money. So I think it was basically a way to avoid a team like Nebraska going out and trying to find some football somewhere else rather than them actually trying to put forth a plan to play, I really don't think. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to be impacting multiple seasons. I think if you can just kind of swallow one year and say, you know what? shit happens let's just kind of go back and we'll start fresh next fall if we try to play a shortened spring season then that leads to okay maybe the the fall we can't play non-conference we got to try to move this around I I don't want to be impacting multiple seasons because of this let's just call it a wash and and figure this thing out next year so um got a lot of time to talk about all this stuff and and hopefully during the spring we get some televised scrimmages or whatever the case may be but we got a lot of time to talk about it but I really wanted to make sure before you know whether the SEC and ACC or Big 12 actually end up playing or not I wanted to make sure we at least talked about in a sense of kind of a season preview because I've been planning some of this stuff for so long I, I wanted to make sure it didn't totally go to waste um, and just kind of rifle through some of this stuff that, that we're looking forward to now in about 380 calendar days. So um, hopefully we can all be patient a little bit and, and let this thing play itself out. Everybody can wear a mask and we'll get football next year. I don't know. But uh, before we wrap this thing up, any last thoughts here uh, before we sign off? Oh, I really appreciate you having me on here. I think everybody just stay positive. we got a lot to, to look forward to. I think in the end, this probably will, I don't want to say it will benefit us, but it will give us the ability to have a full uh, calendar cycle to get ready for a full season, get a, you know, get a plan in place on how we're going to execute our, um, our schemes, get our players comfortable with the staff and with the schemes. And, and I think 
it'll get us more prepared for a season. Um, I'd love to see something in the spring, but like you said, I think if we get anything, it'll probably just be kind of a, a proving grounds for some of the youngsters to get reps and, and everybody to get comfortable under the new playbook and everything. I'm not going to hang my hat on too many results there, but uh, yeah, again, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Um, looking forward to whenever we get football back and hopefully uh, sooner than later. For sure. And you'll uh, hopefully definitely be on with us, uh, you know, in the near future again, but you know, for, for all the listeners out there, I still haven't really figured out exactly what we're going to be doing this fall, uh, but it will be certainly revolving around something with Michigan state football. Um, again, a, an idea I've tossed around is, is some kind of weekly history, deep dive, uh, whatever the case may be, I'll definitely keep you guys updated. Um, right now, there's still a lot of news going on, so we'll, we'll just kind of keep going business as usual. But, you know, as the offseason really starts to take its toll on us, um, we might be pushing it to once a week instead of twice without any football. Uh, but, uh, of course, I'll definitely keep you guys updated and let you know what's going on. So uh, thank you so much for listening. Again, if you haven't already, subscribe. Uh, throw me a rating on Apple Podcast. It really helps me out. Follow on Twitter at Standing Room MSU. The Instagram is at Standing Room Spartans. Scott, your Twitter off the top of my head, I can't remember, is what? <laughs> at Scott W. Martin 18, because there's a million people with my name. Hey, uh, Kevin Parker, I, I feel you there. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> so, yeah. Give me a follow. I won't disappoint. Definitely. So, uh, I appreciate everybody coming out. Uh, We'll see you on Thursday. Take care, folks.